What's up, guys? Had a good spring break. Uh, now ready to get back at it. Hopefully you guys are having a good time. Uh, if you need anything from us, go check us out at runthepower.com. Uh, you can find all of our premium videos on there. You can find uh, any merchandise on there that you might want. Uh, we've got hats and hoodies and shirts and uh, all, all sorts of cool stuff for Run the Power RTP things. Um, you can head over there, like I said, for the videos, for our podcasts, uh, anything you guys could want. You need to get in touch with us. Uh, you can get us to us on Twitter or you can, again, get to us on our website, runthepower.com. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Guardian Caps. Do you have linemen? Are their helmets getting scuffed up during inside run period? If so, there's a way to protect those shells and reduce the repetitive blows your guys are taking during the week. Guardian Caps reduces 20 to 33% of the impact, really focusing on those big guys in the trenches, like we coach. Worn by Clemson, Texas, Oklahoma, Washington, Virginia, 150 other colleges, and over 1,500 high schools across the country, including mine at Broken Arrow and Coach Walls in Ankeny. They are currently running an early bird promo. It's an unbelievable uh, price for them right now. 40 caps for $2,000 uh, with 10 of them for free, plus 10 free. So you get 10 free ones as well. Check them out in our free show uh, in our show notes or go to guardiansports.com slash football. This episode of the podcast is also brought to you by our guys over at Just Play. The team at Just Play hooked us up with their product, as you guys know, uh, and it's been a game changer for us. If you've seen us on Twitter or uh, have talked to us about this at all, we obviously especially love the playbook tools that allow us to create our favorite blocking schemes, as you guys know, power, counter, inside zone, pin and pull, uh, and formations, so we can save time and be more productive. That's the biggest part. Saves time on defenses, saves time on, on inputting offensive uh, formations, and then easy to draw the play out. Just Play is a limited time offer for RTP listeners only. Get my Just Play Pro for $120, which is an unbelievable $60 off the normal list price. Uh, this offer has been extended uh, and won't last forever. You can get this deal at JustPlaySolutions.com RTP. The best playbook tool on the market at JustPlaySolutions.com RTP. Don't wait. Go do it today. On this episode of RTP, we talk with Jimmy Robertson. Coach Robertson is the head coach of Farley Dickinson University in Tenick, New Jersey. Listen as we talk with Coach Robertson about his fast five-star philosophy for workouts, player development, and how FDU plays the game in addition to his tempo offense and aggressive play calling. You can follow Coach Robertson on Twitter at JimRobertsonQB. Hope you guys enjoy. Yeah, so uh, Jimmy Robertson, uh, currently the interim head coach at Fairleigh Dickinson University in Madison, New Jersey, which is just outside uh, New York City, about 35 miles outside the city, uh, right across the street from the New York Jets practice facility, actually. Uh, so a great area, um, but born and raised in, in Yonkers, New York, which is also just outside New York City. From there, went to Iona Prep, um, which is a, you know, a great academic and athletic high school. Um, from there, went to RPI, uh, Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute in upstate New York. I uh, was fortunate enough to play quarterback there. Uh, had a lot of success. Actually just got inducted into the Hall of Fame there in 2018. You know, but r really a testament to the people I was surrounded by, teammates, coaches, support staff, everyone. But a great experience there. From RPI, I actually played for two seasons over in Germany in the German Football League. 
So that was a, a once in a lifetime opportunity, really eye opening, uh, getting to play over there. You know, the game of football, you know, brought me to Germany, got me uh, to travel around Europe, have, have not been back since. So really fortunate to be able to get over there because of the game. Uh, after playing the two years there, was, was lucky enough to get hired um, at the United States Merchant Marine Academy uh, by head coach Mike Toop. Uh, that's out in Long Island, New York. But was fortunate that that coach Toop, once I decided to hang up uh, the playing career there, that he hired me uh, full time at the U.S. Merchant Marine Academy, which is essentially the Division Three Army Navy. Um, you know, great, great service academy there. So was fortunate to coach there for four years. Was wide receivers my first year, then quarterbacks the next three years, and uh, was also the head tennis coach my last two years there. So a pretty unique experience. You don't really get many. Uh, football coaches that have ever coached tennis before uh, so that was a <laughs> no, unique opportunity <laughs> but uh was able to get some head coaching experience at the college level doing that so that was a lot of fun uh doing that uh but then from there had the opportunity to come over to FDU uh, as offensive coordinator uh coach Brian Serace I uh, was you know grateful that that he hired me over here uh five seasons ago uh so the past five seasons was offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach um, you know, we've had a lot of success as an offense uh, this year. You know, we were the number one offense in the MAC, uh, which is the conference we're in. Uh, number one pass offense, you know, number nine pass offense in the nation at Division Three. So had a lot of success as an offense, which then enabled me to uh, get into the current role that I'm in now as the interim head coach here at FDU. And, you know, excited about this opportunity that I have personally and, you know, more so for our program. But, you know, it's been a, a great ride so far and excited where it's going to take me. Coach, I'm kind of curious, is, is being a head coach, has that always been a long-term goal for you whenever you, you know, started your coaching career? I know I hear so many guys talk about, you know, kind of uh, climbing the ranks. I'm just curious, is that something that you, you know, from day one or maybe from year one, you kind of said, hey, I, I know that's something that I want to do eventually? Yeah, that was always a dream of mine uh, starting out my career. Some of the head coaches I had, uh, whether it was in high school or college, you know, and just seeing, you know, other head coaches, you know, throughout the game, um, you know, that leadership role, that, that's something that I always, you know, embraced and, and something that was always a dream of mine. And, you know, you're always keep your feet where you're at. So you, you never know if you're going to get there, but, you know, fortunate enough to, you know, be in that role now. Coach, you talk a little bit about, you know, being some of the places, you know, being at RPI, you know, you know, being at, at FDU and Merchant Marine, you know, a lot of high academic places, you know, is, is that something, you know, you've kind of always put, you know, on yourself, you know, hey, I, I'm going to be a, a lifelong learner. I'm going to I'm going to continue to push myself, you know, and obviously you're lucky enough to find, you know, your venture and leading leading young men in coaching football. But is that kind of one of the pillars of who you are? And, and I would probably imagine that's one of the pillars of, you know, what you're kind of looking for, you know, in your football players as well. Oh, 100 percent. Yeah, especially here at FDU. Um, the system of success we have, it's actually something that we call fast five-star. Uh, it's something that as an offense, we've kind of evolved over the last couple of years, you know, but one of the foundations of it is we're going to be true to, you know, who we are, but we're always learning and evolving while at the same time, again, staying true to who we are, you know, as individuals and as an offense and as a system, but you always have to be learning. Like you said, that lifelong learner mentality. If you're not doing that, then, then you're going to be behind the eight ball. So, Coach, you talked about, you know, how prolific your offense has been the past few years. Now, what do you, what do you, you know, maybe attribute some of that to? Um, is it 
you know, is it scheme? Is it, um, you know, how do you guys go to practice? I'm sure it, it kind of uh, includes all of that. But what, what would you say maybe you guys do um, the best that – not the best ever, but what do you guys do best personally mm-hmm. um, as an offense that, that has helped you have such a prolific offense? Yeah, well, first, we've been fortunate to have some great players uh, on offense here at FDU, so blessed to have them on our roster because that makes all of us look good as coaches, as we all know. Um, but I think as an offense, the biggest thing is, you know, the system we have in place really aligns our entire offense in one direction. You know, we're an up-tempo, no-huddle, you know, RPO, air raid-style team. But our, our system of success, you know, which I mentioned before, which we call fast five-star, that, that really aligns us in one direction as an offense, you know, with our core values. And then it has our culture, you know, built into that. And that culture, you know, I know it's, it's a buzzword nowadays, but it's so true that if you have a great culture and the guys buy into it, you, then you have a chance to be successful. Because then from there, you know, our, our standards, our style of play, our philosophies, our mission, our vision, you know, it all kind of is in that one direction. And we, and we have our, you know, pyramid of success that we had as an offense. And everything we do ties into it. It's how we practice. It's how we meet. It's how we teach. It's how we play in games. It's how we work out. You know, it's it's a mentality and a lifestyle. You know, is what we say and what our our players say. You know, and everything we do is part of that lifestyle. We we can't pick and choose. You know, where we want to be fast five star. You know, where we want to have that all American mentality. It's really every single thing we do ties into it. Coach, you said. Go ahead. Yes, you've said you know fast five star. Is that like a mnemonic device, or what does fast five star really mean for for all the listeners out there? Yeah. So what it is, it's you know how we define it with our guys is it's a system mentality and lifestyle that aligns us in that one direction. You know, and fast for us is doing it with great energy and passion, and then five star is in the relentless pursuit of being the best we can be. You know, so then together, it's that that total that's that total system that we have, um, and it really then we the big thing of it is our pyramid of success. You know, that has all these things in it to align us in that one direction. So it's really just something. The last couple of years, our entire offense, you know, is able to really rally around um, with everything we do. Is that something then, Coach? Uh, moving on uh, as a head coach, is that something that you want to try to? Um, incorporate with an entire team or is that just an offensive type deal? No, definitely something incorporate with our entire program now, uh, something we've already started to do. And, and a lot of it is carryover. I really think a lot of it can carry over to not even just offense or defense or a football program, but really to any business or organization um, or anything for that matter. Because um, again, it just has our core values, our culture, standards, mission vision it has all of that in it uh, that now it, it is our entire program you know you have to tweak a couple things to take out some of the offensive specific stuff to make it the entire team now but the the basis of it is still the same yeah that's what I was kind of curious about because you know especially you know the offense is kind of cool when it has its own thing uh, but so but obviously it's been really working for you guys and it's um, been great for your kids but now when you bring it to the whole team it's it's still cool now that your whole team can benefit from it, but now it's it's not just your offense. And so uh, always kind of curious to see how guys go about that when it is time to implement it as a whole, you know, as a whole uh, team uh, overall. 
Right, right. And I think the biggest thing was, you know, the guys in the program saw the success that the offense has had the last couple of years, you know, and a lot of the explosive plays and, you know, points we've been able to put up and that a lot of guys wanted to be a part of it. So it's exciting now to see the entire team get involved with it and, you know, kind of takes on a life of its own when everyone buys into it. And that's the biggest thing. I think guys rally around it. It creates that excitement. It, it creates, creates that fun, exciting brand of football and fun and exciting brand of program that, you know, student athletes want to be a part of. And then it kind of trickles out into not just the student athletes or the coaches, but, you know, that can now go into the campus community, the local community, and, you know, from there, the sky's the limit. Coach, I think, I think a lot of times, at least me and, and, uh, you know, excuse me for how I phrase this, but a, a lot of times the really smart colleges um, seem to be take advantage of that by going um, and, and I, I'm sure I'm way wrong on this, but it was always my thought was the really smart colleges took advantage of, of their intelligence by, you know, going triple option or wing T or flex bone and, and kind of going about, you know, their business that way. Uh, it, it seems like, like you said, uh, you guys have gone that opposite direction. Um, what are some things though, that in your offense, maybe that you guys are able to, um, to do so well because of the, the high scholar, athletes that you guys have on your team yeah I think the biggest thing with the the different type of scholar athletes we have is you know it's something that I've studied a little bit and our coaching staff has studied a little bit and really evaluated is such a different array of learning styles that our guys have um, and, and we really try to hit all those different learning styles with a different you know type of academic you know guys we have on the team because so many players learn different ways whether it's us getting on the board as coaches and and teaching it to them and you know, having film cut-ups or having them get on the board and teach it to the rest of their teammates and getting out in the field and walkthroughs and group periods and then live team periods. So really trying to hit all those different learning styles uh, has been key for us um, to really try to make sure we're getting to every single person because a lot of times I tell players, you know, how they think they learn is probably not actually how they learn best. Um, so we try to make them, you know, hit all the different learning styles. But then as an offense, you know, I think what we've done the best is, you know, we keep it pretty simple. You know, we try to have that creative simplicity uh, with our guys, you know, and, and the three foundations of it are we want our guys to play instinctively, play fast, and play physical. And that's the progression of it as well for our guys is the play instinctively is the most important one. And we do have a lot of smart football players on our team that we tell them we want no thinking involved. Really, the only person in our offense that has to think a little bit in our minds is our quarterback. But once he learns the system, you know, it, it becomes second nature to him. Um, but he does have a lot on his plate in our system. But everyone else, there should be no thinking. So now once they play instinctively, for us in our progression, now they can play fast. And once they play fast, now they can play physical. You know, so that's kind of the progression for us. But that play instinctively of no thinking, you know, because of the, the simple system that I think we have in place, you know, that really allows us to now, you know, do some, some things in our offense to create those explosive plays and put up some points. So, Coach, your, your receivers, and again, excuse me, I'm a dumb offensive line coach, so I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll try to figure it out as I go, and it may be a dumb question. But, you know, um, to me almost it's like there's some offenses where it's like, hey, you're going to run a five-yard in, you're going to run a five-yard in no matter what. There's some, you know, mm -hmm. it seems like schemes where, hey, you're going to run a five-yard in, but if someone's standing there, you know, set it down and, and uh, don't run into, obviously, the defender. Let's, let's convert it to something else. Uh, do you guys uh, change your routes? Do you convert your routes depending on defenses? Uh, and if so, uh, 
is that because to me that's almost like an instinctive thing i mean is that how you get around that Mm -hmm. by saying hey it's instinct not to go run into somebody you know you don't have to think obviously don't run into this guy uh or you guys very um again trying to keep all the thinking you know as little thinking as possible and saying hey you're gonna run a five yard in no matter what run your five yard in it depends on the concept for us to be honest um but a lot of our our route concepts you know, we tag our routes into different families to try to make it a lot easier for our guys where as long as it's in a certain family, now they, they know what they're going to do. Um, but a lot of our routes do convert to certain things based on uh, what the defense is in. We talk a lot about, you know, creating space and creating time. You know, our wide receiver coach, John Murphy, does a, a phenomenal job with our wide receivers. Uh, and he really, those are the two things he says. You know, football is all about creating time and creating space. And if we could do those two things, then we can have success. You know, so we're going to chase that open grass uh, in a lot of our concepts. We will convert some stuff um, based on where a defender is. However, we don't really talk a lot about coverages uh, with our guys, to be completely honest. Um, I think nowadays defenses are so good at disguising um, and, and just so good overall. Defensive coordinators scheming it up and defensive players are are phenomenal that, you know, a lot of times you don't know if it's, cover two, four, three different variations and disguising of it all, you know, so we don't talk about a specific coverage. We just talk about is someone in the area that you're supposed to be in or where you need to get to. And then we may convert off of that. I love that. It that, that makes yep. so much as an offensive line guy. I mean, it makes so much sense to me um, to be able to talk in that. And then uh, that's what I was going to say. And I'm sure I cut walls off, but uh, it seemed when I was around him, uh, that's kind of how he taught, he taught, you know, even from a quarterback perspective, you know, and, and he would mm-hmm. talk a little bit about coverages so, so they knew it, but tried to make it as, as much of a feel as possible um, to not get bogged down in all that. Oh, yeah, 100%. And, you know, co- coaching quarterbacks myself, that's something that, you know, we do a little bit of, and, and we'll talk about coverages because I think the quarterback needs to understand that. And I think that can accelerate a quarterback's read pre-snap or post-snap to you know get from one to two to three but we really just talked to our quarterbacks about you know two base read progressions for us and most of our or if not all of our past families can fit into one of these two it's it's either a an area read for us which is a yes no progression you know if one is open yes throw it if no go to two to three and so on and if it's not a yes no read then the second type for us is a if then you know, if a defender does something, then we either throw it or go to the next part of the progression, but really can simplify it into either a yes, no read for the QB or an if then read for the QB. And all of our past families can fit into one of those two to really make it simple for the quarterback, regardless of the coverage, man, zone. Again, it can accelerate the read for the QB, but, you know, most of our stuff can can be good versus man or zone, regardless of what a defense is in. Yeah, I, I think, again, you know, so much time is wasted with, you know, the, the coverage identity or, you know, was it three buzz? Was it, you know, was it stubby? Was it solo? Was it, I mean, who, who really cares? You know, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, it's, it's maybe something for, for coaches to have a conversation with. But to me, you know, with, with the kids, I mean, the, the kids really need to know is, is, is it man or is it zone? You know, and then what, right. what are the, what are the spaces we're trying to attack anyway? And, and, and can I, can I put the ball in this space? You know, can I throw it with when he has this kind mm-hmm. of leverage or can I not? So, I mean, to me, you know, it makes way more sense. You know, I, I never played quarterback, but I know the quarterbacks I've, I've coached, they seem to respond so much better to that than as opposed to the pre-snap read, 
you have to work this side of the field. You have to throw it with this footwork. To me, when you make all of these mandates and bullet points and things like that, right, it gets really far away from the, the two things that you're talking about. Yes or no, if or then. I mean, boom, mm-hmm. it makes it really cut and dry for the QBs. And I think at the same time, then by clearing their head of all of that stupid clutter and the, and the things that aren't essential, now I think you kind of give them the paintbrush and you let them create a little bit too. Mm-hmm. 100% because – you know, I, I know about us as, as our staff, how many times are we, you know, trying to decipher coverage and, you know, what are they in? Like you said, is it three cloud, three weak, three strong, three buzz? And, you know, imagine now as a, you know, 18 to 22 year old quarterback, um, you know, with the, you know, everything flying around so fast for them to decipher it on game day or watching film. So you know, I think as simple as you can make it for the QB so he can, you know, have some freedom you know, be the field general out there and play instinctively, the better. Now, is that something you guys will, you know, do you give him a lot of stuff? I know I mean, you, you talk about examples like Mike Leach will give a guy a formation that's just check. So two by two check, mm. you're letting him call the play. Is that something where you're giving him that fr- much freedom? Or maybe it's, you know, you pull the reins back and it's a couple of plays, three plays. How do you kind of, you know, let him, you know, manage the game or call the game, if you will, if that's what you guys do? Mm. Yeah, it's it's not as much as what Mike Leach does, and we we are a big air raid team. Uh, most of our past concepts are air raid style stuff. Um, we don't do it to the extent of that. You know, if we're calling one of our drop back concepts, it's going to be that concept. But in in some of them, though, there might be a route that is an option route or you know a pre snap you know type of route where the QB receivers might be doing some communication. Um, but then in our run game, our QB does have quite a bit of freedom with our RPO stuff. He does have a lot of pre and post snap responsibility that, you know, he usually has, you know, two, three pass options on on every run play, you know, based on what the defense is going to give us. We we try to keep it as simple as possible. And we we tell our guys this, you know, the first day of install is we're we're trying to block the least amount of people for the least amount of time in our offense. You know, we're going to spread it defense out. If they spread out, then it's going to make it, you know, best numbers for us to run the ball inside. And if we spread out and they don't, well, then we're going to get the ball on the perimeter as quick as we can. So, you know, we, we tell them that the least amount of people for the least amount of time, and we'll take what the defense gives us. That's what I, I always laugh, uh, you know, when people start talking about how prevalent the RPOs have been in the past few years. And, and I always want to tell them we've been – I was at Houston in 2011 with Case Keenum, and almost every mm-hmm. single play was an RPO. Uh, you know, I remember oh, yeah. asking – offensive line coach is like okay but on zone and then if this guy comes how are we getting out to him and he's like uh quarterback's gonna throw it if he comes don't worry if there's more than five in the box we're throwing it or whatever whatever it was that week Mm -hmm. Um, and and man it does it it simplifies it for you up front lets you get really good at what you do um and and never makes you try to you know fight uphill really yeah I, i really think it does i think it's the great equalizer for an offense because you know, you truly don't have to account for, you know, those extra guys in the box now. And, you know, there's so many times even our, our guys will ask the same question to us and they're like, well, what if this guy comes? And then we tell them the same thing, whether it's our offensive line or whoever it might be. We tell them, well, don't worry about him. That's not your guy. That's the quarterback's guy. So as long as our QB, who we say is the guy that has to do all the thinking in our offense, and once he gets it, it's no thinking at all for him. But once he, once he makes the right decision, you know, then, then don't worry about the rest of those guys. 
Coach, how much, you know, you had talked about how much is on the quarterback. How much do you guys put uh, protection on him? Is, is, he, is he thinking about protection? Is he making protection changes? Or are you putting that all up front? Um, you know, I, I kind of ask because we're trying to figure it out at our high school. You know, I mm-hmm. obviously always want it to be on the quarterback because he's got such mm-hmm. a good view. And quarterback coach wants it to be on us because the quarterback has a million other things that he's doing. Um, you know, mm-hmm. and then I get into the, well, but if we're changing protections and he's supposed to know, you know, who he has to be hot off of, it kind of screws him up. So w- what have you guys mm-hmm. gotten into as far as protection-wise uh, between the quarterback and, and the lineman, uh, you know, switching or changing protections? Yeah, so we, we do put it on the quarterback. Uh, I'm a proponent of having the QB do it. And even from playing the position now for coaching it for the last 10 years or so, and in that I think the quarterback can see the whole big picture of it all. And also, at the end of the day, if the quarterback makes a, a wrong mic call, then it's his fault if he gets hit and doesn't see the blitz coming because he's the one, you know, protecting himself. Um, but we do put on the QB. I just think that, you know, he, he knows where he wants to get the ball to, that he can protect himself based on, you know, where his primary part of the progression might be or based on what he sees pre-snap, that I think it's a lot easier uh, for the quarterback to be able to um, change a mic or, you know, manipulate a defense how he wants to uh, in a protection. Yeah, I, I'm with you 100%, Coach. Um, I, I think, again, you know, coaching QBs, you know, he, the better understanding that he has of the guys up front, I think also the better appreciation he has, for one. Mm-hmm. And then, like you're saying, you know, he's the one that knows, you know, how the routes match up. He's the one that knows the hots. He's the one that knows the adjustments mm-hmm. or the – or the calls, you know, the, the guys up front aren't, aren't going to know any of that usually. I mean, there might be a couple that, that want to learn it, but, you know, they're, they're concerned with, you know, blocking five most dangerous or six most dangerous. I think, again, you know, to, to get the most out of it, the quarterback has to have, you know, a, a lot more invested, I think, in that because of the, the opportunity, you know, for one, beating the blitz, and then two, making those explosive plays, knowing where he's protected. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%, because I think – you know, we, we talked to with our quarterback so much about, you know, protecting his backside, you know, whether the backside is to his left or right, you know, but then there's times where he can see the big picture of it all and there might be something coming from the front side pre-snap. Well, he knows the backside guy is not blitzing just based on, you know, his, his film study and just based on alignment. You know, we're gonna, we talk about demeanor, eyes, and leverage of defenders to try to give away some keys or, of if they're coming or not. Um, so I think he can see that all where now is if he wants to, you know, leave his backside free because he, he knows based on that stuff that those guys aren't coming and now wants to protect his front side, that I think that's easier for him to see. And like you said, he knows where certain routes fit into, into that protection so he, he can protect himself. Coach, how much like empty stuff are you guys doing then and, and letting him, you know, move it, move his five man protection? Is that something you guys do a lot of? Is that something, you know, where you maybe, you know, motioning guys in and out or is, is that something where you guys stay with, you know, pretty much, you know, one back philosophy? We're mostly one back. Uh, we're a primary 10 personnel, a little bit of 11 personnel. I, I will say the uh, the second half of this past year, though, uh, we did do some empty. Um, so we, we are even in our one back stuff. We, we try to get our back out as much as we can, whether it's a free release or a quick check release. Um, but we we have been fortunate to have some some very good wide receivers and our and our pass game has been explosive that we we did do a little bit more empty the last couple games of this year um, and, and in that stuff now the QB regardless of you know what route concept we have now he can really just protect himself based on most dangerous man that he thinks might be coming. 
I think a lot of the, the new, you know, empty stuff and, and you know, being able to, to motion and move, especially teams that are, are so multiple coverage wise, you know, just giving them that, that extra piece of information, you know, let, letting the guy, you know, let guy move and, and who's going to be covering him and who's with him, know it's man. And then, like you said, I mean, being able to, okay, you guys protect the box, you guys protect my backside and then understanding which side I'm working. I mean, I think if you really trust your QB, you just keep seeing more and more of that. I mean, I know LSU does a ton. The Saints do a ton of it. I, it's something I think I want to get a little bit better at as as a coach, so so we could do a little bit more of that, especially when you got a, a guy that can you know handle it and also run around a little bit too. Oh yeah, hundred percent. You can really create those mismatches, like you said too. If you motion a guy out or start him in the backfield and see does a linebacker bump out with somebody or do you get a safety on one of your slots or whatever it might be that. You can really create those mismatches doing a bunch of that empty stuff. You really can. Coach, you said you get into a little bit of 11 personnel as well. Um, when you're trying to develop that tight end guy, obviously everyone wants a, a Gronkowski or a, or a Kittle, um, but not everybody gets that guy, obviously. Um, what <laughs> are you uh, – normally, are, are you going for uh, a little bit taller, slower receiver, trying to convert him into a, a guy that blocks good enough at tight end? Uh, are you guys looking for a, a tight end that played tight end in high school, maybe was undervalued, or uh, are you guys looking for a, a good blocker and you're going to try to develop him into a receiving type guy? What's what's maybe your philosophy behind you know that position? Yes, philosophically for us, we we would rather have that that more versatile, athletic kind of guy. You know, someone that we we tell them a lot of the times that they don't need to be someone that's going to make killer blocks for us. It's going to be a guy that's you know, capping across on some split zone stuff. It's going to be a guy that's the second puller, puller on our guard H-back counter, and then we need him to free release and be a pass threat, whether it's in the RPO game or just in the, you know, the drop back pass game. So for us, we'd rather have that that more versatile kind of player that even if he's not making killer blocks, he, he's doing it enough that we're going to be successful still because um, within the scheme, that's all we need for him with, with those run plays. Yeah, I've always uh, – that's kind of what, you know, I've always thought of and and being able to even, like you said, if you can RPO off of him and you're, you know, on backside of inside zone, if he's not really good at it but you can throw a little RPO out or at least have him run the route, Mm -hmm. that takes a safety out and, you know, softens the defensive end and and kind of does the job uh, that you needed it to do anyways. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it really can. It's a – if you have someone at that position – you know, you said everyone wants the, the Kittles and the Gronks, but if you have someone that, you know, just can do his job well and it's only doing a, cert, a couple certain things for us in our offense because, you know, we are going to be more 10 personnel, but that that's such a weapon, such a weapon that a defense has to. I, just knowing, you know, our, our defense in the last couple of years, you know, game plan versus teams that do it or even when we go versus them in, in camp uh, or in the spring that, you know, that's such a – a position that you have to game plan for because of the versatility of it. Coach, what are, what are some of the, I shouldn't say, you don't have to say some of them. How many RPOs do you carry, you know, you know, per week? Is that something where you guys, you know, we're always going to carry this concept. Are we tweaking this concept? Are we tweaking the formation? We're going to run that concept, or maybe we tweak in the run this week that we're going to run it off of. Mm-hmm. How do you guys kind of, you know, game either you say how many do you carry and then how do you kind of game plan mm-hmm. for the rpos you guys use we on a weekend week mm-hmm. basis yeah I, I would say that the biggest thing for us is we only really have our two main run schemes um inside zone and our inside zone is is probably more of a mid mid zone for other teams we're a little bit wider um and then our counter you know whether it's guard tackle counter 
you know, like, like Oklahoma runs a lot of, or if it's our guard H back stuff. But I think that's the thing that allows us to run, I guess, so many different RPOs off of them is that for our offensive line, it's, you know, essentially two run schemes that we're going to try to get great at, you know, and we'll, we'll have a couple other, you know, ones that we game plan here and there, but only running the, the two base ones. Now it allows us from a skill player perspective, you know, to have multiple RPOs off of inside zone, whether we're reading inside linebackers, outside linebackers, second, third level defenders, you know, but we, we're probably going to carry, you know, probably six to, to 10 into a game, um, different route concepts on the perimeter, you know, off of those two run schemes. Uh, we do run a quite a bit of one word call stuff as well um, to get the tempo going with it. And, you know, a lot of our RPO stuff, you know, will be part of that, that one word call package just because philosophically um, we want to push the tempo and those are our bread and butter plays uh, for us that, you know, once we get that momentum going, we want to, you know, put the pedal to the metal a little bit with them. Coach, how, how do you, how do you practice some of those one word plays and, and some of that up-tempo stuff? Um, you know, I think at least being in that offense when I was playing, some of the most difficult parts was, and, and I think, you know, Walls has, has helped with, um, you know, defensive scout team as well again, on some of those teams. Some of the toughest part is getting a scout team down and getting them set so you can run these mm-hmm. up-tempo things. And then sometimes it's nice not to have them so, you know, completely set because every once in a while right. that's what you're going to see in the game as well, and you're going to have to block them when half of them are up or three of them are to one side or, you know, whatever that case may be. <laughs> how do you, oh, yeah. oh, how yeah. do you guys go about that in practice? Yeah, I think uh, one of the best things we do is – we, we try to run practice at this tempo the entire time um, unless it's truly a, a walkthrough or a teach period. Um, and that's in our group periods. That's from, you know, start to finish. And then one of the other things that I think we've gone to recently is we, we do a lot of, you know, FDU versus FDU good on good stuff. Um, Cause it goes back to, for us, you know, I know we talked earlier even about it doesn't matter what coverage they're in as long as we, you know, go through our reads you know, we should be okay. You know, the same thing, just offense versus defense to get that tempo of it all um, without having to look at scout cards or without having to run back to a scout huddle is just going good on good. Um, So now we can really practice that tempo, our one word calls, um, and our defense is now getting practice uh, versus it as well. Um, You know, we'll use, you know, two balls during it. And I know a lot of times defensive coaches, uh, get very upset about the two ball, especially if it's offensive coaches <laughs> running the drill, because uh, we're, we're snapping it before they even get their call in, um, you know, but we joke about it a lot with them. But I think that's the biggest thing we've done is to eliminate some of the scout card stuff is um, FDU versus FDU good on good stuff, regardless of what defense we're seeing, you know, for certain periods that week. Uh, and then also trying to just do as much of it as we can with our scout team in our defense's terminology. You know, and it might not be exactly the the same exact blitz we're going to see that week, but it's as close to it as we can get it front-wise, blitz-wise, stunt-wise. And now our, our defense and some of our scout guys are developing more, the younger guys. And at the same time, we're able to do it at a higher tempo in practice. And even if they mess up a little bit, like you said, you know, that's going to happen in the game. So we want to see some of those looks as well. Yeah, I, I love that. I mean, to me, if you're going to play, you know, up-tempo, full speed, that's, that is something you're going to have to do, and especially if, it, if it's what we do, you're going to do it uh, at all times. I'm interested, Coach, you know, in, in some of your one-word calls, and obviously you don't have to give away, you know, secrets, but, again, how many of those do you also carry? So you're saying six to ten RPOs. How many one-word mm-hmm. calls would you carry into a game? 
and then uh, how how do you kind of group them? I mean, you know, you know, again, you'd have to say what they are as you know, superheroes, animals. I mean, how how mm-hmm. is that something you kind of do? Because again, that's another thing I'm looking to get better at this off season too. Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll probably carry into a game uh, about ten one word calls, ten or twelve, um, and, and some of these are bread and butter ones that we'll install those first two three days of camp, and we'll and we'll run those throughout the entire year because to us, regardless of who we're playing or what defense we're seeing you know, this is who we are that, you know, we're going to have to be great at what we do for some of these foundational plays for us. Uh, so we'll have those. Um, and, and then we br- basically break down our one word calls um, into three categories. Okay. Uh, and the three categories for us, it's either something based off the previous play uh, for us, which those will be, you know, at a pretty high tempo. Uh, and then the other two tempos we have for one word calls are our turbo words, which those are as fast as we can go, you know, with our 40-second play clock, we want those snapped with, you know, 30 seconds uh, on the clock because for us, those turbo ones, there's not a ton of pre-snap even looks for the QB at all. And, and then the other uh, category, the fast words, you know, again, still fast, but it'll probably be snapped with, you know, more, you know, that 22 to 25 on the clock because it is a one-word call, but our QB does have uh, some pre-snap responsibilities or pre-snap reads so we kind of break it down into three categories and and this is something you know that we kind of tweaked over the last two or three years um, to try to not send those mixed uh, messages to our players of you know three years ago it was all one tempo you know one category but to me we were sending mixed messages to our players because what what is now a turbo word was super fast but with what is now a fast word was a little slower so we were kind of for the O-line especially, kind of sending that mixed message to them where, hey, it's a one-word call, but this time we're going to snap it with 30 seconds, and then this other time it might be 23 seconds. So, you know, I thought that was a little unfair to them. So kind of why we broke it down into the three different categories for for the offensive line especially. Is that something, you know, when you are trying to go fast, is it something that you're talking to receivers um, about when they do get tackled or running backs when they get tackled about uh, who they're giving the ball to? I mean, is that something that you guys talk much about uh, on big plays? Do you guys talk to the centers about, you know, running down the hash? Um, what are some things maybe mm-hmm. that you guys um, do that most coaches maybe wouldn't think of that, that allows you guys to um, stay at such a, 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 great, a great tempo? Yeah, yeah. We don't talk a ton about who to, who to give the ball to, but we do uh, tell them that just to get it to the, the nearest official to them, you know, try not to throw it across the field or anything. But I'll say one of the biggest things of our culture um, is being relentless, you know, and our our offensive line coach does a great job and he has great ownership of his group. um, And it's instilled in them that if we have an explosive play, if we have a first down play or or really any play, um, but especially those ones, because our guys might expect a one word call in those scenarios, but every, every single play, our offensive line and the entire team for that matter it's ingrained in them that they have to sprint to the line of scrimmage. They have to be ready um, for us to snap the ball at any given moment because, you know, the threat of that snap, now the defense has to be ready as well. You know, but that's one of the biggest things is, you know, in practice, that, that's probably the only time I really uh, get after the offensive line at all, to be completely honest, is when they're not hustling to the line of scrimmage to get set. You know, and I tell them, guys, you know, I understand that I played quarterback. I've never had to stay down in my stance for – you know, 10 or 12 or 15 seconds. So I tell them I get it, but you know, I, I know it's not fair, but life's not fair. And 
we need you to get down and get set. And that's probably the only time I get after them a little bit because it's such such an important factor in our offense to play at that tempo. Um, and, and they get it, and we, we all joke about it. But uh, I think that's so important is just to, to ingrain that relentless mentality uh, into them to, to sprint to the line of scrimmage and get set every single play. Coaches, I, I, I listened to Coach Frost at, at Nebraska, and obviously, you know, he's at Oregon and, and UCF, and they're running a ton of plays and tempoing the heck out of people. And he would, he would say a couple of times, you know, in, in practice, it was difficult for maybe their offensive line, you know, to, to maybe finish blocks or, you know, you know, put guys on the ground and things like that. Mm-hmm. I, I, I understand, you know, the tempo is different. It's, it's practice and things like that. But he said he, he thought sometimes, you know, maybe you'd lose a little bit of that edge. Is that something mm-hmm. you, might, you might notice, you know, knowing that, hey, okay, the play's over, the whistle's blowing, and they're, they're focused on, you know, getting to the, the next play and getting to the next spot where the ball's going to be snapped? Or do you see the opposite of it? It's like, man, we, we kind of pull the reins on them and pull the leash on them and hold them back a little bit. All of a sudden now they get in the game and they're just, they're just mauling people because they're like, man, yes, finally we can finish. Yeah, I would say it's probably the latter there in that because they, they kind of get reined back a little bit from the, the finish perspective in practice with, um, you know, not, not finishing guys to the ground and things like that, that, you know, I think once they get into the game, you know, now it's even more fun for them to, to play at this, you know, relentless tempo because, you know, once we get some of these big explosive plays and get some first downs and get the momentum going, now they, they see it. They see it in, you know, their opponent's eyes and, when they look at each other, they kind of see it and feel it. And, you know, now we can kind of wear, wear the opponent out a little bit. Yeah, I, I think that was, that was say, something uh, that, yeah, I loved. You know, I, we, we went against a few teams uh, when I was there that, that were, uh, had some elite pass rushers. You know, when we, when, when we played UCLA, they had a couple of guys that mm-hmm. uh, now are in the NFL, you know, Anthony Barr and, and um, I can't remember all their names. They had a bunch of good ones. I think Walls that year after, that year I was there, like, or that you were there maybe at Tulsa. I think um, Marshall had some really good defense alignment. Mm-hmm. Um, East Carolina, I think, had some pretty good ones. And then we played Penn State, and, and they had some some guys that are still playing in the NFL right now. Um, and so I, I think what what helped us so much, obviously the, the first one was Case was really, really good and, and threw it before <laughs> – threw, threw the ball. Ball was out of his hands in, in a second, so we didn't have to do much pass protection. But – you know, I, I think a big part of it was um, in some of those game plans was, you know, a jet sweep to the left. And then we're now, 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 and we're doing some type of a play action boot uh, or, or some type of play action where the guys are running left to right. And then we're throwing a little quick screen out to the receiver. So now the defensive ends are running left to right. You know, they're uh, – and a lot of times they were chasing the ball all the way, you know, to the tackle. Uh, and, and we were basically getting – line back up already and so now they're running back and so um I think when we played really good defensive lines I think that our our OC you know Cliff at the time did a great job of making them run back and forth uh and kind of wearing them out and then going to um you know some of his deeper shots or some of his routes that were going to take a little bit longer once those guys were tired and and now they're not getting set um I think that was a, a huge benefit I think, though, that one of the things that, that they didn't do a great job of was um, they always liked to get going fast and then go on two, and it never worked. And I was like, guys, it's, <laughs> it's never going to work. They're exhausted. They're not even getting off the ball now. I mean, go, you know, go on two at the very beginning uh, of a drive or right when they make a, 
you know, uh, put some new kids in. But if it's four plays into this drive, you're not getting anyone to, to jump off sides. <laughs> yeah, and I think, um, you know, we try to do the same thing where if we're playing some some pretty good D linemen in our conference and, you know, how can we give that that the end multiple different looks with its tempo and it's, we do throw a lot of, you know, perimeter screens, whether it's to receivers or getting running backs out on the perimeter to make those D linemen run sideline to sideline, you know, and then try to cut them as much as we can, whether it's with the O-line or with running backs and some move the pocket protection stuff. So I, I think giving those elite D linemen um, those different looks is, you know, is so valuable to, you know, make them just have to think, you know, now if they're thinking, now they're not playing instinctively going back to what we want to do. Um, so now they're they're second guessing themselves or, you know, maybe that half a step too slow or now we're, we're creasing that inside zone or creasing that counter or whatever it might be. You know, so, some of my favorite, um, you know, tempo plays were obviously if we're, if we're going our fastest tempo, we're in our now series, most of the time it was inside zone, you know, so we make a big play. We're going to go now, now inside zone. Some of our biggest, you know, hitters were go and play action off of that, you know, where we, mm-hmm. we sit in that H, uh, you know, just right up the seam. Uh, play action it hit him you know right behind the linebacker some of those were our biggest plays and they were off of our really fast tempo um and and you know everyone was sold out to the run and it was tempo and they're tired and then you know just throw it just right behind the right behind the uh uh linebackers and and now we're off oh yeah and it's so it's those calculated risks there you know taking those shots on some of those tempo plays and you know, I think those are the ones that, that win you games because at the end of the day, for us, if we can create those explosive plays doing some of that stuff that you just mentioned, that, that's when we're going to have our most success. Coach, I'm kind of curious. What are, you, what are you looking for as, as um, you know, when you're recruiting guys, what are you looking for at your four wide receiver positions? I mean, are you looking for um, short, fast guy on the inside and then a little bit bigger target on the other inside with – with, you know, what are you looking for at each of those positions uh, when you're going out and you're recruiting and you're trying to find guys? Or are you just trying to find four of the best receivers you can find? Yeah, it's, it's, it's probably the latter again there. We, we tell guys there's three things we want in recruiting. And this is kind of for all positions, philosophically, what we believe in. But, you know, even at the receiver position, more so because of how athletic a position it is. But we want guys that are, number one, athletic, number two, versatile, and, and number three, make plays. You know, if you could do those three things, then, then there's a place for you and a role for you within our offense and within our entire program now. Um, and on at that receiver position, you know, we're, we're going to put those players in the best positions uh, based on their skill set. You know, this past year we had a, a big 6'5 guy that was all league for us that he was strictly an outside receiver. You know, whereas last year, you know, the 2018 season, we had the number one receiver in, in the nation, Division Three. Um, he had 102 catches, was the NCAA statistical champion for D3. But that was a kid who was, you know, probably 5'11", 180 pounds, but was primarily an outside guy. But then we would put him inside a bunch. We put him even in the backfield every now and again. So teams couldn't double team him. And then maybe it was motion him out, or maybe it was just free release him from the backfield to get that mismatch. But if it's someone with a skill set like his, he can kind of do everything for us. You know, but it really boils down to, you know, athletic, versatile, and playmaking ability are the three things we want. Yeah, I've, I've, I've kind of, you know, gone, gone the same philosophy too, Coach, you know, not really pigeonholing guys, especially, I mean, I, I think with as much, you know, RPO that we run, you know, I, I think it really helps 
you know, and, and you've played quarterback, obviously throwing to a six four dude or a six five guy with that wide catch radius. I think, you know, when he mm-hmm. was having to make that that quick read and then having to throw, you know, maybe the, the quick slant or the or the stop route, you know, behind the guy on, on the RPO, you know, having a little bit bigger frame in the slot sometimes makes a lot of sense. And then at the same time, you know, maybe you're running, you know, number three on the screens, it also helps to have you know, that 6'4", that 6'5", dude that can hold up at the point on some of those outside linebackers, mm-hmm. you know, and, and get a little bit of movement. And then, you know, like you said, okay, well, hey, maybe now he's, he's really good as the number one. But, you know, playing to those guys' strengths. I mean, you said it with your, your second point there at the receiver position. You know, you got to be versatile and you got to learn all those different spots. And, and I think, you know, not only that, now it probably makes your, your offense, even though, yes, you are going fast and you're probably avoiding tendencies, you're probably having mm-hmm. even less tendencies by by moving those guys around and and you know really amplifying what their skills are. Yeah, that versatility is huge for us because we tell you know our guys all the time, and even going back to recruiting, telling recruits when we're recruiting them is the more versatile you are, the more valuable you are to us. Because if you're that versatile, now it's like you said, a defense can't key on. Hey, when number you know six is in the game, he's always going to be the left outside receiver. You know, because if you're that versatile, now that that value you bring to us, we can move you around, play fast, and we may not have those tendencies, like you said, because you know a defense doesn't doesn't know where that top guy is going to be on any given play. Yeah, Coach, I like. Now, kinda, go ahead, Walls. I was going to ask you about you know when you, when you're putting the guy in the backfield, because again, another thing I'm I'm researching. You know, you watch a bunch of you know LSU moving those guys. How how is that something you guys kind of build into you know the formation? Or, you know, how do you call that? And then, you know, how many plays we have with, with the guy having to learn in the backfield? Obviously, probably not, not going to be something where you're teaching him, you know, dual read pass protection. He's going to be you know, <laughs> out, out in a route and things like that. I get that. But, you know, what, how big would that package be? And then, like I said, how, how does that kind of fit into your guys' verbiage when you do put him back there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this was two years ago when we had that All-American, and, and he was such a special player that he can kind of do everything. Uh, but it was still a very limited package for him when he went back there. It was putting him back there and having him run a choice route off of a linebacker or, you know, or putting him back there and, you know, motioning him pre-snap or putting him back there and, you know, a quick free release. Um, so it was very limited. It was just for us. You know, we didn't change verbiage. We didn't change anything um, from that perspective uh, to change the system. It was just a way for us because of that versatility to kind of take some of take away some of those double teams that he was seeing so much, you know, after he had, you know, averaging over 10 catches a game there that we had to find ways to get playmakers the ball and, and he was the best playmaker out there. So how could we do that within our system? And we found that, all right, we may have to start him back there or, you know, do some things to get him the ball because he was such a special player. Is that something where you'd see then, you know, if you put him in the backfield and you'd motion him out, he wouldn't get doubled then, or at least then, obviously you know two two guys move with him you know because we saw some of the junk defenses I, I got a receiver this year too and they they play some junk defenses against him you know where mm-hmm. literally you know they'd make it look like cover one but basically when you talk about cover one he was over the top of wherever he was so I mean you know it, it made it pretty obvious but would you mm-hmm. see that all of a sudden now you'd motion him out of the backfield you wouldn't see that double yeah, we did that, and then a couple of times we were able to get him on that middle linebacker. And then something else we did with him even, um, you know, in 2018 with this this player was, you know, regardless of what formation we were going to be in, he just started on the other side of the formation because versus one particular team, 
they had an All-American corner that they were matching up with him. Um, so if he started on one side, that All-American corner would go with him. We would motion him across to the other side and now get him just versus their, you know, their weaker corner. Um, so I think doing things like that, um, if teams are, you know, matching a certain player to a certain player um, on the perimeter, just, you know, again, to me, that doesn't change your system at all. That might be w- one little tag that tells just one one player, you know, what he's doing uh, pre-snap that it doesn't change anything for the other 10 players. Love it. Appreciate coach, it, Coach. Yeah, Coach, I'm kind of curious now, you know, um, as they – as rolling into that, that kind of head spot um, and, and looking at probably needing to – uh, hire some guys or, or eventually in the future needing to hire some guys. Uh, is that something that uh, you envision, you know, kind of putting your coordinators in that, in that same room? I, I've heard some really cool and, and interesting ways guys like to uh, bring coaches in and, you know, basically interview them. Uh, have, you, have you thought about maybe what that process will look like for you and, and, and what you're trying to learn or find out about a coach? Uh, as you look to bring him on staff? Yeah, I think the biggest thing for us, uh, you know, and we've been fortunate enough that we have some guys on staff here that, you know, are, are great coaches that, you know, will we'll get bumped into certain positions um, to keep that continuity. Um, but I think the biggest thing, you know, looking to hire coaches is that that trust factor. You know, I think you can get guys to learn a system, you know, whatever that system may be, offensively, defensively. But if you have guys that you trust and you have guys that are going to be relentless, you know, learners and relentless teachers to the players, you know, and having that just relentless, you know, mentality and everything they do, to me, that's the most important things, you know, when you're looking to bring guys on staff is can you trust them and how relentless are they to, you know, be great in everything they do. Is that something that you find out during the interview process? Is that something you lean on, um, you know, when you call the the – the people they put down on their resume, uh, how do you try to uh, determine if that's the type of person that they are or a relentless uh, coach? I, th- I think the, the relentless part of it, I, I think you can kind of see that a little bit uh, in their approach to, to the interview, you know, how prepared they are um, for certain things. Um, I think you, you do have to, you know, do some, some checks on it for some references or, you know, especially at this level, a lot of times it's going to be more, you know, that local or regional you know, kind of person that you're going to hire because just at the division three level, um, that's kind of how it usually works just because not many guys are going to move across country um, to coach at division three, just because obviously financially you can't do that. But um, I think it does go for the trust part of it is, you know, do you know somebody that has some sort of connection to them? Um, And I I really value that big time is, you know, even if it's a friend of a friend, you know, to really get that insight on that person as a person, because I think at the end of the day, that person, you know, as long as they fit into your core values of what you're trying to do as a program and fit into your culture of what you're trying to do as a program. Now, going back to what we talked about to, to start this, um, you know, earlier is, you know, now everyone can be aligned in that one direction. And if you're aligned in that one direction, now you can be successful. Well, Coach, uh, again, I know kind of signing days tomorrow, so we've already taken up a bunch of your time. But, but you know, the, the kind of the last question I always like to ask guys is, now, when you're watching another team's offensive line, what's some things they'd be doing that would make you think highly of their offensive line coach? Yeah, I think one of the things that would make me think super highly of their offensive line coach would be how well does that offensive line do versus, you know, the exotic stuff, whether it's twists, games, stunts, blitzes. You know, because to me, 
an offensive line, you know, to be great, every offensive line should be relentless and have those characteristics. But to me, you know, I think it's an art when an offensive line just seamlessly can pass off twists in the, in the pass pro, you know, or in the run game, pick up those stunts. So, you know, to me, when an offensive line is doing that, you know, cause I know when our offensive line does that, that's when we have our most success to me, that's an art and, you know, something that, that I love to see. And, you know, it's just, a, it's a thing of beauty. Coach, man, it's been a blast having you on. And, and like I said, you know, we wish you the, the best of luck with, you know, the, the first signing day and obviously as it, as it continues forward. And, uh, you know, I appreciate you dropping uh, some nuggets that'll, that'll definitely help with, with my uh, off season learning. I know that's kind of what it's all about. So, uh, you know, again, super appreciative of you to give us an hour during this, uh, this busy time for you, man. It's been a blast. No, thank you. I appreciate any time. And thank you for what you guys do. Love, love the podcast. Love listening to it. I have a, a 45 minute drive every day to work. So love, love listening to you guys. And again, appreciate all you guys are doing for the game of football. And that's going to do it for this episode of RTP. We want to again, thank all of our sponsors. You guys make sure and go check them out. Help grow our community by telling other coaches about run the power. And if you enjoy running the power, go get your shirt, long sleeve or hoodie at runthepower.com. Also, if you have any topics or any questions you would like for us to discuss in the next podcast, simply rate our podcast and then leave a comment in the writer review section of the podcast app. This will help our podcast rating as well as it will allow us to answer the questions you all want answered. Make sure and go check out our blog at runthepower.com. Follow me on Twitter at Harper underscore Coach and Coach Walls at Coach Brady Walls. Run the Power now also has its own Twitter and Instagram, and you can find that at Run the Power. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Talk to you soon.